0: Good morning. It's great to be with you this morning, and it's pretty fitting that I'm filling in for Dave this morning. I will be happy to offer pastoral care to any people that are still reeling over the disappointment and shock of the Dodgers postseason. I know Dave has zero sympathy for you, but I'm here this morning for you. Um, Dave told me if I, filled in, if I filled in for him today I could talk about impact as much as I wanted to for the sermon um, my sermon does not directly have to deal with impact but since that is what I am here this morning to share with you about it, I wanted to take just a minute before we dive into scripture um, for those of you who are not familiar with impact uh, we are a short term mission sending organization we have six international partners in Romania, Turkey, Honduras, Haiti, Mexico, and I always forget one, and it's always a different one every year. Turkey, Romania, Ukraine, Haiti, Honduras, and Mexico. Maybe I did say them all, and I just can't count. Um, we were super blessed this past summer to be able to actually function the way that we were supposed to after two summers of not being able to send teams abroad because of COVID and we sent teams to Honduras and to Turkey and it was a blessing. It felt super normal and the, our partners were so excited to be able to receive short term mission teams again and, um, we are now in the process of going through the backside of the trip with the folks once they we train them before they go out and then when they come back we have a process that we go through with them to kind of continue what had you learned from the trip what are you going to take away now how are you going to serve in your community because of what you learned on that mission trip and so that's the stage that we're in right now Um, but we are also and believe it or not, looking forward to next year already. And people say, "Already, it's October." And I say, "Well, you're already doing your planning for your summer vacations next year. So we are already planning on our trips. So we are offering four trips next year to um, not young, to Romania." turkey honduras and mexico our partners in haiti and ukraine we are holding them in prayer and walking alongside them but they have told us that it's not going to be a year for sending teams uh, to those countries but we are offering to those other four um it is 16 is our youngest and we had somebody a few years ago that was 93 that went so it is very intergenerational um if it's something that uh, speaks to your heart that you'd like to hear more about. I'm going to be out on the patio afterwards. We'd love to share that with you. And we also have um, some on the screen. We're doing a worship and missions night in just a couple of weeks where our goal is to get all of the youth and young adults from the Presbytery all together for a night of worship and pizza and fun and getting to discover together how missions and worship are really one and the same and intertwined. And so if you know somebody that would be interested in that, I have flyers for those too. We can pass those out. That's um, in Canoga Park, so just just over the hill there on November 5th. Um, so again, I will be hanging out on the patio. I would love to share more about either of these things with anybody who's interested. But let's uh, go ahead and dive into the scripture this morning. We are reading in Exodus chapter 4. We're going to be covering Exodus 3 and a little bit of 4 today, but we're just going to specifically um, start with this one. Exodus 4, verses 10 through 13. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and teach you what to say. But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, may the words of my mouth... And the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you. And let our ears and our hearts be open to what you have for us this morning. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So this little piece of the passage that we read is taken from that story in Exodus where Moses encounters the burning bush. And this is one of those stories that I feel like we all, at least those of us who grew up in the church, have heard so many times through Sunday school that it's easy to read through it quickly and miss seeing that mirror that's being held up for us in this passage. But let's back up a little bit in the story since we just read that one little smidgen of it. So Moses is out on the hillside in the country tending his sheep, minding his own business, And he sees a bush that's on fire and apparently not actually burning up. And then God speaks to him out of the bush and tells them that he has heard his people's cry for help, his people that are enslaved in Egypt. And he's choosing Moses to be that rescuer, to bring them out of Egypt. And in chapter 3, verse 11, we read, Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? How many of us can relate to Moses when we hear God calling us to do something in our life? When we hear God asking us to serve or step out of our comfort zone? Who else says, but who am I to do that? I mean, wait, how am I supposed to do something like what you're calling me to do? Well, I do. Maybe you all respond really well when God calls you out of your comfort zone. But I'm the one that says, that's not me. Most of us start checking out that list of why we can't do it, right? You know, I haven't had enough training in this area. I've only been following Christ for X amount of years. Uh, there's so many other people that would be better at that than me. Well, Moses, on the other hand, was actually extremely qualified for the job. He was an Israelite, but he had been raised in the Egyptian palace. He had been educated in the Egyptian palace. So he knew his audience in Egypt very well. So who better to go and advocate for his people of origin than him who knows the people that were being the the oppressors? He could be that bridge. But at the same time, This was a huge ask. And Moses' feelings of inadequacy are becoming overwhelming. In verse 12, God has heard him say, Moses is like, who am I to do this? And God says, very simply, I will be with you. I mean, it seems like God's speaking speaking to you out of a burning bush, saying, I will be with you. I mean, that seems like pretty good reassurance, right? The God of... His ancestors, the God of the universe, is promising to walk alongside of him. But he doesn't quite take that as reassurance. (laughs) But we, at the same time, we have those same promises, right? The God of the universe has promised to be with us. Yet, when he calls us, we have that same hesitation. of, Well, I'm not the best person for this job. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? That's a legitimate concern. He's going to go tell people that the bush spoke to him. He wants to know who was there. So God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. God is establishing his name here and his unchanging nature. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. That could also be translated. And then he tacks on that thing that the Israelites are going to recognize, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then God continues to lay out for Moses the whole plan of how exactly he's going to use him to rescue his people from Israel. This seems like this might have been a pretty convincing, pretty powerful answer, but not for Moses yet. We pick it up at the beginning of chapter 4 and we see that Moses answered, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you. Moses is feeling his inadequacy again. He's getting nervous. He's saying, you know, they're not going to believe me that the Lord spoke to me out of a burning bush. They're going to think I'm crazy. And they're not going to take me seriously. I'm not an expert. I'm not a leader. They're not going to listen to me how many of us have ever felt this way god's calling you to do something and you're feeling that that would be really hard to explain to someone else they're gonna think i'm crazy they're just gonna laugh at me because i am not an expert i don't know what i'm talking about but i know god has called me to do this so god's answer to moses again is pretty simple but also pretty spectacular. He says, well, what's, what's that in your hand? And Moses is like, well, it's this stick I used to you know, make the sheep move. And God says, well, throw it on the ground. And so Moses does, and it turns into a snake. And if that's not startling enough, God says, well, go pick it back up. And you've got to give Moses props here. He actually picks the snake back up. It turns back into a staff. And then God says, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses does. He pulls it out, and it has leprosy, that disease of just decay and flesh falling off. A little startling. And then God says, put it back in your cloak. He puts it back in, pulls it back out. It's completely restored. And God says, okay, so if that doesn't work for you or for the Egyptians, if they don't believe you, take the water from the Nile, pour it out. It'll turn to blood. So God's saying, I am all powerful, I am with you, here's the proof, here's these amazing signs that I'm going to do through you. And then Moses tries a different tactic. We read in verse 10 that we just read, Moses says to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. So maybe Moses stuttered. Maybe he had a speech impediment, or maybe he was just terrified of talking in front of people, and he got tongue-tied when he did. But he's bringing to God here what I think is a pretty legitimate concern. God's asking him to go speak to Pharaoh, speak to the people, convince people of something, and Moses is like, I'm not a public speaker. I can't do this. But God's answer to this one is like my favorite. Partly because I picture God getting a little annoyed with Moses' excuses. But then also because I resonate with Moses in all of these excuses. And I picture God just encircling me with these words. When I'm feeling inadequate or unable to do what he's called me to do. It says, The Lord said to him, Who give human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak. I will teach you what to say. God's saying, look, I made you. I know you. I made you with some unique gifts, and I also know you with all of your flaws. And so I'm taking care of that. I've redeemed you to do the work that I have for you. So God has told Moses, I will be with you. I am and I will be. I will work miracles through you. I will help you speak. I will teach you what to say. God's saying, Moses, I've got you. He's saying, Christy, I've got you. Now go get it done. Now poor Moses. I still resonate with him, by the way. He's just... I feel his pain. After all of that... All of these reassurances, we get down to the root of his hesitation. He simply doesn't want to go. He simply doesn't want to take that step out of his comfort zone. He says, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Now, you've got to admire a little bit the guts that that must have took at that point, right? God has reassured him, reassured him, promised him, and Moses is like, "We got the wrong guy. He's overwhelmed by that thing that God is calling him to do, and he doesn't want to take that step. When it comes down to it, he is simply more comfortable in his field with his sheep doing what he knows. And when it comes down to it, we all have that same fear. It's human nature. We can read all of the promises that we have in the Bible from God, just as he laid it out for Moses. But in the end, if we're honest with ourselves, don't we have that same fear or that same desire to just be comfortable, do what we know, do what is safe? It's, it's scary talking in front of people. It's scary putting ourselves out there in a new situation. It's scary to risk failure. It's scary to maybe sometimes physically go to the places that he's calling us to go to. But you know what? God never promised his followers comfort. I think we get a little confused with that sometimes. God never ever promised that we would be comfortable In fact, we read through the Bible the exact opposite. He didn't ever promise that we'd be comfortable, but he did promise that he'd be with you. He made you, and he's got you, and he will walk with you doing what he's called you to do. We read Isaiah 6 earlier, and in this passage we see Isaiah Having an encounter with God, kind of similar to Moses in the way that God is just this all powerful thing that creates in us a reaction of, of unworthiness and just that awe. Isaiah has this the vision and he sees God in his throne. He sees all these things that are happening in heaven, and his reaction is Woe to me, for I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Almighty. Isaiah encounters God in this vision, and he's overwhelmed. He's acutely aware of his deficiencies, of his unworthiness, of his own sin. But as the seraphim touched his mouth with that coal, he tells Isaiah to be free from all of that. And Isaiah, being free of that overwhelmed unworthiness of that sin, he is then able to say, Here am I, Lord. Send me. God made us. He made each and every one of us for a purpose. He knows what He made us for. And He knows that we can't do it on our own. He's aware of our flaws, He's aware of our inadequacies. We absolutely can't do it on our own, and so that is why he bridged that gap with Jesus Christ and redeemed us, redeemed our sin and everything that comes along with it so that we can carry out that work that he has for us. So what is God calling you to do in your life right now? Maybe it's reaching out to that neighbor that needs a friend that just takes a little bit extra effort because you don't actually know them or maybe you don't like them. Maybe it's serving here at church. That's going to take a step of uncomfortableness because it's a little bit more time. It's a little bit unknown. Maybe it's getting involved in helping in the community. Maybe it's going to serve internationally with an impact trip. Most of the time that thing that God is calling us to do is a About as easy to ignore as that flaming bush that Moses saw. We know that it's there as much as we try not to look at it. But when we have experienced that profound love, the grace, the forgiveness, the redemption of Jesus Christ. When we hear that call of God in whatever way that he's calling us out of our comfort zone today. In whatever it is that we are being called to do, because of that grace that we've received, our answer simply must be, here I am, Lord, send me. Let's pray. God, I pray that in this silence you will continue to speak to our hearts, continue to impress upon us that call that you have placed on our lives today. And God, I pray that you would continue pushing us, nudging us, directing our attention to you until we have said, yes, Lord, send me. Amen.